Worship will be forever. We'll be with God face to face. We will express ourselves in many different ways to him. We will be surrounded by his glory. Like all these things are true. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Worship Review, the podcast that critically and charitably examines the texts of songs sung in the church. My name is Tyler. I am a linguist and analyst, and I'm joined by my friend, Colin. Hello. Good to be with you yet again. Today we are looking at a rather popular song and one that's been around for quite a while called I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me. Mercy Me, Colin. This is quite the song. I'm going to go through the lyrics. Colin has prepared some thoughts, and I am going to be uh, listening to it fresh. Even though I've heard it before, I have not thought about this song in quite a while. Yeah, so we're doing this a little bit different than we often normally do. So I'm sort of fully prepared, and I'm really familiar with the song because... I was around, I was leading worship when it came out and everybody and their mother wanted to play it in their churches. Whereas for Tyler, you've obviously probably caught it at some point just in the background of your life or whatever, but have not really encountered the song anytime recently, such that it will basically be new to you. This is kind of almost a reaction video, if you will, or a reaction podcast. Yeah, I think I have heard it on Christian radio several times and almost certain I've heard it in churches and maybe sung it in churches, yeah. but not in a while. Um, okay. Listeners, we are going to play an ad. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. There you go. So Tyler, any, any initial reaction to this? So far, it sounds like the person is going to be doing something pretty awesome in the future and can only fathom what that awesome thing is going to be like. Yeah. One of the things that I remember about this song was, I was an, an initial skeptic of this song. So I was leading worship in a Calvary Chapel church, and there were a few of us that did worship in various ways, but I was kind of the, I don't know, one of the, like the main worship leader, I guess you'd say. They didn't have, I didn't have like an official position or anything, but, and one of the other people that did worship said, oh, I really want to do this song. And I remember just kind of vetoing it. I was like, why would we do this song? This guy doesn't even know what heaven's going to be like. Like Mm. he's just saying, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, whereas we have the Bible that tells us. But uh, I will say there's something, at least in this first verse, there are a few things that I think are reasonable. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul says that um, what we know in part now, what, or what he knows in part now, he will know fully, even as I have been fully known. Uh, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. That is when we're with Christ in heaven. So there is something to the idea that we can't quite know what heaven will be like. We do have glimpses of it in portions of scripture, but even these are very difficult to understand. But we do know that we'll see God face to face, and that is what the song says, what my eyes would see when your face is before me. So, you know, I don't know, I, I'm less uh, I'm less critical 
this as as I you know now coming to this as like a a forty year old dude rather than like the kind of late teen early twenty year old guy that I was that was just pretty zealous and maybe unwilling to think about some things a bit more uh, charitably you might say yeah yeah because it's easy to be deliberately obtuse with something and say yeah. well you can't only imagine that's right I can only imagine. Right. In a, of course, in a literal sense, would mean the only thing that I can do is imagine this. Yeah, but and that's technically not true. That's technically not true. But as a turn of phrase, it often means something more along the lines of, well, let me look up an idiom definition so it's not just my opinion. The speaker is talking about something unusual, extreme, shocking, or otherwise exceptional, or that the speaker has no way of knowing something. So I think in this context, we can take the first this is going to be something yeah. extreme, shocking, exceptional, and indeed unusual yeah. compared to our current experience. Yeah, and that's 100% true. It's 100% true. One of the things that I didn't like when I first heard this song, and I still don't quite like, you maybe are more favorably disposed to it, maybe you're not, is this, uh, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I don't... This is that kind of, he walks with me and he talks with me, this kind of trope. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> this trope, which is, you know, kind of just me and Jesus. And this is a very individualistic song. Like, you'll see this as we get through the lyrics, Tyler, that there really is not, uh, there's really not a sense of the corporate church. It's sort of like the heaven is going to be the ultimate expression of individual intimacy with God. And there is a sense in which that is the case in scripture. Like we get a name that that only God knows. And there, there are these aspects in which there is an intense individual intimacy in heaven. That's true. But that's not completely true, right? Hmm. And we would miss something about being saved as a people uh, because be, you know, being a body that is worshiping God in heaven, uh, being part of a group, uh, a new a new race, right? As some translations of the Bible say, to worship God. And I think that songs like this can kind of hype by being hyper focused on the individual experience. It impoverishes the song a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, I can agree in theory. However, I as the viewer cannot view through collective eyes right i can sure. view through my eyes so i am okay with some more individual language i mean th the whole book of revelation at least the passages that are in a vision are from the perspective of john and it's not a problem that's true that's true but the actual people worshiping in heaven are groups yes they're 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 all groups and again, maybe I don't want to be too, uh, I don't want to be one of these people that's got a hobby horse, but I kind of do right now have a bit of a hobby horse in that I'm really, I've noticed the extent to which I have existed in a world where I have just taken for granted the idea that individuality is everything. I think society is coming off its moorings in part because it has lost w ways of identifying in a more uh, collective or just kind of a way that is beyond the individual, identifying with land, identifying with family, identifying with church. And I think scripture walks the balance where there is a sense of each individual is an individual and is not, you know, is not, you know, is separate from other people. But at the same time, that individuality is still defined by a sense of belonging to 
various groups, language groups, ethnic groups, uh, geographic location groups, citizenship groups, family groups, so on and so forth. And that, that seems to be a key part, not just of our humanness, but of our redeemedness, that we are redeemed into a family and into a people and into a citizenship. And that's part of it. So, you know, I just, I think songs like this, I just am increasingly critical, I think, of songs and, and other uh, other types of Christian uh, illustrations and analogies and metaphors that I think are overemphasizing the individual. Hmm. There's a lot there, Colin. Probably is. You know, like in Revelation, God knows the names of all of the elders, for example, that are falling before the throne, worshiping. He knows their names. He knows them individually. But we meet them as a group. And I just think that has meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. Our, our our individual relationship with Jesus will be wonderful. And in a sense, it will be unique because it is his relationship with us individually. But I think part of that relationship will be magnified by finally, truly belonging, finding what we belong to. Like our family on this earth, our land on this earth, the other collective identities that give us meaning are great, but they are pointing us towards, I think, the fact that we ultimately are not meant to just be self-sufficient individuals. There, There is one to whom we belong. There is a people, actually, to whom we belong and a citizenship to which we belong, and we're going to experience that. So I would just, I wish there were lines in this song that would express that. You know, I, what will heaven be like? I'm going to find my people. I'm going to find my home, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't need to add too much to this because I think you've already said it well. Sure. I would just say the the whole council of scripture emphasizes God saving a people. In the Old Testament, we saw that in the people of Israel. And uh, in the New Testament, we see that the sons of Abraham are all who walk by faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. Um, Clearly, God saves a collective, um, and at the same time, each person is individually um, regenerated and yep. um, has his or her own personal sins personally washed away by a personal yep. God with a personal right. relationship with That's Jesus. Right. And again, in Revelation, we have pictures of crowds um, worshiping at the throne. We have a picture of the bride, which is the perfect example of a collective identity, all, all of the yeah. people of the church collectively as one, the bride. Uh, but we also have like the, the promise to the church through the letter to Pergamum in Revelation that to the one who overcomes, I'll give a white stone with a name written on it, that this is actually really particular. So mm-hmm. there's two things here. There's the particularness and the, um, the collective identity of being in God's people. And so I agree with you that this song seems to emphasize only one of those two. Yeah. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. So here we have something that to the natural man would be quite terrifying to be surrounded by the glory of God Almighty. Yeah, and so I think right. the song kind of leans into that, that that is actually something that we should not take 
lightly, nor even presuppose that we have the um, capacity to fully comprehend. And I think it engages with the complexities of this, like we see in scripture in um, 2 Samuel 6, we have David dancing before the ark in an almost humiliating sense for himself and actually gets made fun of for it. Um, mm-hmm. So we have dancing before God, but we also have um, numerous passages that require that we be still before God uh, and yeah. that the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. That there's, mm-hmm. we, we can express our worship in jubilant praise, but we can also express our worship in reverent awe and silence. Yeah, I uh, I think these are all things that we see in Scripture, St- even standing, we see in Scripture, uh, being on one's knees, singing, being silent, as you've, you've already said all of this. I will just say, though, again, uh, part of my initial objections with this song as well, when I remember first hearing it and having to consider whether it was going to be in the church that I was a part of, was while these are all biblical things that a person might do in response to reflecting on God's goodness, for example, reflecting on the gospel, these are also all things that, uh, and again, this is this part isn't really the song's fault, but uh, these are all things that people do now also and can be prone to abuse can be prone to do for purposes of attention. Um, And one could take this song as like almost trying to bring into the present, uh, to bring into a moment, uh, a mystical moment, to kind of generate a, 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 yeah, a kind of magicalness that actually isn't there, you know? Like, I think it's one thing, you know, so one analogy that a pastor of mine once used who was a charismatic person, and I have tremendous respect for this man and, and think very, very highly of him, but he was, he's a charismatic and he and I would part ways on that issue now. Um, but he would say, we, when we worship God, it should be more exuberant than we are, say, when we're watching sports and our team, our soccer team scores a goal that we're watching. Like, people can't help but just be exuberant. What do they do? They lift their hands, they shout, they might even, you know, in, in the England, they would sing a, they'd sing a song, they'd, they'd just be cheering, right? And he, he always said that if our worship doesn't look like that, maybe it means that, you know, we're not really all that excited about the gospel. And I remember at first that making a lot of sense to me, and now I, I don't think that's actually a very good analogy because when someone scores a goal or scores a touchdown, it's unexpected, right? It's it, it there's there's a whole build up to it, and then finally the thing culminates, right? But that's not really what happens in worship now. I think that will happen in worship in heaven. I do think there will be a sense of culmination, and we even see this in the things that are said in Revelation by the people worshiping, like just praising God for redeeming people and forgiving them. Like there's a sense in which we will fully understand what that means in ways we don't now. And so I think our worship will reflect that. And I think there are times that our worship can reflect that now. I don't think that, I do think there are moments in the Christian life where something just does knock us over and surprise us and, and, you know, something that's been building to 
something that there has been a buildup to, just like a, a touchdown or a soccer goal. But I think in most cases, worship now is quite reflective. Like it is often about thinking about the same thing over and over and over again and probing it deeper. I think that worship is as much an intellectual exercise in the moment now as it is an emotional one. And I think those emotional insights are going to be often more muted because they come from pondering the depth of truths about God. I just don't think it's, I just think it's rare that we're just going to find ourselves, I don't know, singing a song in church that has the gospel in it or a psalm or something like that, and just being knocked over in that moment. I do think that happens, and that has happened to me, but this song seems to suggest that, um, well, I think one way a person could take this song is that this is like the ultimate way that we should try to worship. It's like, if worship is not in awe, dancing, uh, standing, knees, you know, singing, not speaking, like if, the, if, if worship isn't this dramatic thing, maybe there is something off. And I, I just have some hesitation about that still. Okay, there's, again, a lot there, but I can, I can agree with a lot of what you said, and I think I can push back on some of it. Um, the first thing that I will say is, likening worship to a spectator sport is possibly I, I don't know this guy and I'm, I, I don't know if this is an unfair characterization but I wouldn't want to cheapen our participation in the worship of God by comparing it to a spectator sport where we're merely on the sidelines right we're clearly on the sidelines in terms of what actions are being done to bring about our salvation but um in worship we are active participants in that and um I, I guess the other issues with a sports comparison is sports are temporally constrained. Uh, there are often two factions warring against each other. Yeah, of course it's not a like a total analogy. I think he was just speaking, to be fair to him, he's just speaking about the connection between what you're feeling and what your body shows, mm -hmm. right? And sports is one area where you can see that really well, Yeah, I guess. So don't, yeah, don't, I don't, you know, try not to over you know, overthink the the kind of analogy, okay. just in its most simplest form, you know. The other thing I'll say is, I think you said that over time, those emotions will be dulled. Is that what you said? Or softened? No, I, I hope I didn't say that. Um, if I did, that's not really what I intended to mean. What I mean is that um, we have those emotions in a sporting event because there's been a buildup and then something happens that releases all of that buildup. There's a kind of a, there's a kind of moment that is a, a kind of explosion of what has been building. And with worship, I just don't think that happens that often. I think really with worship over time, our knowledge about God, our understanding of him, our relationship with him deepens. It's just like a marriage, you know, it's like, I don't know, I was, when things were so new with my wife, there is, it's natural to have them be more exciting in the short term. But if I, I think my love is deepened for her and that deepened love doesn't look like, you know, just being exuberant about things. It's like, you know, just getting to know her more, learning more about her, you know, appreciating her more, that kind of thing. And that tends to be, I don't know, over time, the, uh, the mature affection, I think, just doesn't have that immediate body emotion hmm. connection. At the same time, you and I both know someone who, as a grown man during worship, will often cry. 
And to me, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very endearing and beautiful thing, uh, to sure. see the emotions of even an older man be moved to deep gratitude and praise. And yeah, I think, um, the other thing is everyone is built differently. Some people temperamentally are just a little bit more exuberant than others. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that that person's experience is necessarily normative for everyone. But I think the other aspect to this that you've touched on that has kind of gone unstated is that this chorus begins with feeling. Uh, and in fact, a lot of this song is really expressing feelings and uh, the passions of the heart. And when I think of heaven, feelings are obviously there, no doubt. But I, I also think of all of the ways in which things which are unclear to me will be clearer in my mind. Like when Jesus, when he's, when he's resurrected bodily and then declares to his disciples all the things from the scriptures concerning himself, I think of being, uh, my mind being stirred to praise too, and not merely my heart. Now, yeah. They're not necessarily in opposition to one another, but if you could, if you could sit and learn, uh, how God orchestrated all of the events of history yes. to flow so that, you know, maybe right. one man was born at a certain time so that he would do this and this and this. Right. And, and you'd be pretty exuberant in that moment, right? You'd yes. Like, Whoa, you're kidding. <laughs> oh my, you know, you just would be, that's amazing. Yeah. You're so great. <laughs> you know, you'd be saying that to God. And you might even sing or, you know, so that makes sense, right? But when you've sung the same song, like if you've sing this song over and over and over again, at some point, and I don't think people are often willing to admit this, you're just, even the people that have got their hands up in the air and maybe even are, are even potentially crying or, are, you know, just have a, an emotional reaction, there's a point at which even that becomes rehearsed. So, you know, I mean... I, again, I'm not critiquing individuals here. I'm not. I'm just saying I, I find this song to be glorifying a set of forms which may or may not be backed up by substance. And the song doesn't give us the substance, I think, to have that reaction. And I think if we think about what we might act, what might actually cause us to have these sorts of reactions, they, again, th th it's a scenario like what you mentioned. Um, but it's also, we want to be careful about trying to manufacture that kind of reaction when it's unwarranted right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I almost wonder if those sorts of reactions, those sorts of emotional reactions might be um, easier to um, arrive at naturally if those sorts of intellectual, not, no, not intellectual, but if those sorts of declarative statements of God's power and might and wisdom were made those those sorts of emotions will follow i think if i mean if you talk imagine sitting before the throne of god and hearing him describe how he lifts the yeah. mountains up out of the earth and yes. casts yeah. the waters into the sea yeah. like that yes. is amazing that is a power that we can't even right the emotional reaction is going to be strong yeah yeah and i think it, it, even if you flesh that out in worship now i think people would respond with yeah. awe and amazement and absolutely it, it probably wouldn't be the guy who you know spills his popcorn at a super bowl party but it would be yeah it, it really would be awe and it would yes that's be true. a lasting awe too that that outlasts the momentary joy of a soccer goal for 
you know, for a much longer time. Okay. We're closing in on the end of the lyrics here, Colin. Yep. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. And I like the idea here that uh, worship will be forever. You know, these these there are some specifics in the song. I mean, worship will be forever. We'll be with God face to face. We will express ourselves in many different ways to him. We will be surrounded by his glory. Like, all these things are true. So I think this is good. This is a good thing in the song. Again, even with this verse, I'd like to know what what more of this means. Like, what is that day like? Uh, the Bible talks about aspects of what that day might be. Um, what does it mean to stand in the sun, S-O-N? What is that? Obviously, he's trying to make a little play on words like standing in the sun, S-U-N, but instead it's the sun, S-O-N, that kind of thing. I mean, it's just, there's just more here that could be, could be fleshed out. Hmm. There, are things that, there are things that we do know about heaven from Scripture that we don't have to imagine. So I agree that there are things we can only imagine that we don't really know, but there's a lot that we can know about heaven from revelation from several of the books of prophecy from even things that jesus says about heaven Mm -hmm. it'd be nice to talk about what we can know too colin i once heard heaven described as an auditorium where we will be clapping indefinitely and i have to tell you as a young believer that thought terrified me because (laughs) i thought forever worship (laughs) meant me clapping <laughs> forever. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds like torture. It, it kind of does. But as you said, the pictures we have from scripture of heaven are much richer than that. And yeah, I, I mean, even, even Jesus saying things like in my father's house, there are many mansions. Like we have this, this idea that it's, it's more than an auditorium. It's a dwelling place for each of us. It's a home yeah. in our resurrected bodies. We will, worship in many ways beyond clapping uh forever i i can see us clapping for sure but i think what we have is actually a lot richer than merely you know cheering does that make sense yeah we just yeah it is i think what you're getting at is again what i think this song is trying to get at just a little bit clumsily which is we are so limited in understanding what heaven is going to be like. Even, I mean, Scripture gives us some concrete things that I think should have been in this song, but even the things that Scripture does give us are often other, like otherworldly, especially when Scripture describes some of the creatures and some of the, um, just some of the, the yeah, the creatures that are around God's throne room, for example. Mm-hmm. I remember, I've seen, I'm, I'm sure you have too, Somebody has tried recently to kind of generate what those creatures would look like. Oh. And they're they're incredible. Like it's like they look so strange. They they try to take the Bible like these this this illustrator tries to take the Bible as literally as possible, right? So you get these like weird beasts with like a bunch of eyes and horns and stuff. They're pretty cool looking, but they're also like otherworldly. And that's I get the impression that the Bible is trying to tell us by making by by, you know, by describing heaven often in ways which are at best in analogies, but which are kind of mysterious. I think I think the Bible's trying to tell us that that we just can't really we don't have the the words or the senses or the knowledge 
to really grasp what it is. Like it couldn't quite be explained to us, I think, in the present way that we are Mm -hmm. because of our sin, because of the limits of our non-resurrected bodies, because of our corrupted minds and so on. So there are these little ways in which heaven is described, but we can't really know. And the song is right about that. The song is right to acknowledge that. Yeah. It just could do it better. Yeah, absolutely. I think another place we might look um, in addition to Revelation, the words of Christ, the passages from the epistles and the prophets, we might we might look back to Genesis and look at pre-fall humanity. Yeah. We could look at the garden. We could look at the perfect shalom right. of man and woman in perfect, um, literal perfect bliss um, yeah. in the garden. In paradise. In literal paradise. As Jesus describes it. Exactly. And and also like like perfect intimacy. So again, one of the ways this is described in scripture is that they don't have clothes, right? Now, in our corrupted minds, we, you know, we take the idea of like nakedness, we see that as vulnerable, we see it as sexual. There are a variety of ways that we corrupt that. But I think, yeah, to use what you say, what I think the idea though is um true like intimacy, right, with God. Mm-hmm. Like heaven will be uh, and again, we have echoes of this in our current marriages without, you know, while keeping the, the podcast PG, you know, we have we have echoes of this in life. But these are just uh, these are just like a mirror. These are like seeing things in a mirror, like like Paul says in First Corinthians. And so there's going to be an intimacy in heaven that we see a little bit in the garden, you mm-hmm. know, but that we can't quite understand what that's going to be like. Mm-hmm. We just have these hints and shadows of it. Yeah. And I think we'll have this sense of nakedness, but not shame, just like in the garden. That Right, exactly, exactly. Spirit, spiritually, we will be completely exposed and have no shame anymore. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, and again, we, we get hints of this in the Christian life, and this is part of that collective thing, too. So one of the ways that God uses the body is to give us a sense of this. Again, it, it often happens in marriages. It can happen in Christian friendships, too, you know, People confess their sins to one another. People acknowledge, uh, people talk about something in scripture that had deep meaning to them and have another person say, wow, that's, that's right. Or, you know, or extend forgiveness, right? Or whatever it is that, that happens, you know, um, in, in a group of Christians talking to one another in an intimate way. That's a beautiful thing to experience when you experience that. And I think that also is trying to point us towards what it would be like to live with our God our holy God, but without shame, right? Without Mm -hmm. guilt. Like it's, we have some elements of human relationships where we might have hints at moments like that. But in the garden, that's what it was like for Adam and Eve. They did not know guilt Mm -hmm. and shame until after they sinned against God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And heaven will be all the more richer because than the garden, because Adam and Eve knew innocence before they knew forgiveness. Whereas we will receive innocence because of forgiveness. We will receive innocence because of what Christ did for us. So there's going to be paired with the lack of shame in heaven, there's going to be this amazing sense of gratitude because we'll know how we got that. It won't just be that it always was this way, which is the way it was for Adam and Eve. They're kind of like children, right? Mm -hmm. Who haven't experienced anything. But for us, having having gone through sin, and the process of forgiveness of sin and fully realizing what Christ did for us in heaven, I think that that is just going to make for this incredible thing where we have innocence and um, sh- shamelessness 
and and com- combined with just pure gratitude. Yeah. They had no shame because they had nothing to be ashamed of. We will have no shame because Christ bore it for us, and we will praise him forever for that. Exactly. Well, that sums up the lyrics to the song. I can sum up the thoughts that I have about the song and say it is a song expressing awe, wonder, even curiosity about the experience of heaven uh, from our imperfect perspective now uh, and wondering what that will be like. And I think when it asks these questions where it seems they seem to contradict each other, right? Will I dance or be still? Will I stand or fall, sing, or even be able to speak? I think the answer is yes to all of those. Um, I think there will be times in heaven where we will dance and there will be times in heaven where we will stand still. And um, I think this song is speaking to all of those. I will say, and I this is probably going to sound familiar to listeners, but I think it could be clearer. We criticized the song recently for not, you know, bringing in any reference to God um, at all. And this song doesn't do it until the chorus, but it does do it. It does mention Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so it could definitely be praised for that reason. I guess in, in summation, it is primarily a song about wondering what heaven will be like and not in an obtuse way, but, you know, thoughtfully engaging with the emotions that one might expect to feel in heaven and the postures that one might expect to have in heaven. It doesn't talk about the things that we might think or um, ponder or recount or anything like that. But again, it's I, I don't want to criticize a song for what it is not. Yeah. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I do think it's wrong to criticize. I'll just comment on the last thing you said. I do think it's wrong to criticize a song for what it isn't. What you have to do, I think, is consider what the song sets out as its mission and then evaluate, like, does it carry out that mission well? And so for me, this song gets high marks for capturing the perplexity of heaven and the unknowing, you know, the fact that we don't know what heaven's going to be like. Uh, I think this song captures that really well. It gets some of the more, it's, it gets some basic general knowledge into the lyrics, like being face-to-face, etc., um, heaven being eternal, intimacy, that kind of thing. So those general ideas are in the song. This, If the song's mission, though, is to kind of describe what it might be like to be in heaven, kind of what it might feel like, but also, um, well, if, it, if it's trying to just say what heaven will feel like, even then, those feelings don't just come out of the vagueness of heaven. Those feelings come out of things that we will know in heaven, truths that we'll know, things that we'll see, um, knowledge that we'll have. And so the song, I think, to carry out its mission well would have represented that in more concrete ways. And so for me, it's an okay song, certainly better than I had initially thought when I was younger, but I do still think it it is not an excellent song, for example. Okay. What do you give it? I give the song three out of five Hobby Lobbies. And the reason for that, I know, Tyler, this, this is fresh for you, so you probably haven't seen the video. But um, in the video, there are a bunch of people holding up picture frames. Like, they look just like Hobby Lobby picture frames. 
And I think the idea was to say, uh, like initial, uh, eventually, uh, well, to start, the picture frames are just empty frames. And then as the saw, as the video goes on, the frames are pictures. I think of people that various people shown in the video, like want to see in heaven, like people, relatives or friends or whatever that have died. And so, yeah, I just hmm. acknowledging the picture frames with the uh, Hobby Lobby thing. By the way, the guy, the story of the guy that wrote the song is kind of interesting. It's been made into a movie, which I didn't know, with Dennis Quaid. So the guy that wrote the song uh, had a really rough relationship with his father, a really abusive man. And then his father gets a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer where the guy's going to die. And at some point around that time, the father, like, uh, the Lord saves the father. Wow. And uh, basically there's, uh, it's it sounds like it was a hard process, but the, the songwriter and his father eventually reconcile and the dad is like a, is like a full on Christian and, and dies. And, you know, the son is really hopeful that he's going to see his father in heaven. And, uh, I'm trying to remember how the song. I remember reading something where he says the song came out, and I don't want to misquote it, but it's something like the song came out of that. Like he was sad that his father had gone to heaven, and he was musing on the idea that his father, even now in heaven, would rather be in heaven, mm. even than even be with his son, whom he came to love and you know have a better relationship with. And the songwriter was trying to say, well, what would make my dad want to be in heaven so badly? Mm. Like what? What would it be? What? 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 What could I imagine heaven is is like to make it so wonderful? And I think that if I remember correctly, that's what generated the song. Wow! What a powerful story behind this song. Yeah, it is. It's a super powerful story, and certainly, you know, that gives the song some more meaning when you know that. Obviously, that isn't often communicated in a church service. You have to just go with what the lyrics are. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so Tyler. do you have a rating? This will be tricky because normally we we think about these a bit more ahead of time, whereas you're kind of coming up with yours on the fly. Yeah, I got to tell you, I don't like. I really don't like the "I can only imagine" um, phrase. I, as we already said, it as an idiom, it can mean something other than um, what it literally says. But it's not the kind of song that says you know crazy stuff like calling god names like reckless so i think i think it's gonna clear the bar for me and get a three okay um i'm gonna give it three out of five y2ks because this song is older than y2k this song came out on october 14th 1999 so um older than some of our listeners true so remember where you were on y2k this song does too uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Worship Review. We value your listenership, of course, and we encourage you to share this podcast with your friends, neighbors, and mortal enemies. And we look forward to checking in <laughs> with you again next week. Bye. Cheers. You've been listening to the Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.